Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today we're selling the score that everyone's asked themselves all the time, probably forever, since the dawn of time, some might say, who are the best and the worst video game companions in history? (laughs) Yes, the dawn of time, the age-old question, chicken and the egg. Mm Mm-hmm. But not really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it takes us back to Julius Caesar, the right-hand man. Et tu, Brute. Oh, et tu, Brute. See? And that's, that's what I'm saying. So we're trying to see who's going <laughs> to stab you in the back, who's going to stab you in the back on accident, and who's going to be there Ooh. for you after you're stabbed in the back. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, because there are many, many companions that are just, they're so terrible. They tried. They want you to not be alone in some of these video games, but sometimes mm-hmm. I think we'd be better off. <laughs> I mean, we're putting a negative spin on all these, and some, rightly so, and some, you know, some are great. It. Some are great. Well, subjective, but some are great. <laughs> and so I want to start today. Um, this one goes either way. The further down the series you go, the further down the rung she drops. I started off hot with Cortana from the Halo series. Now, she is, I think, one of the first that is a companion that is not necessarily doing anything with you in the game. Yes, she unlocks some doors or some light bridges or hacks some files and things like that, but it's never actually there with you, but still has such a huge stranglehold on how you get through things. Giving this, were you gonna know in Halo One if that was a natural occurring rock formation? If not for Cortana, listen, caves be caves. I don't know if they're made out of (laughs) sleek alien metal or natural occurring rock. (laughs) The we just don't know how natural cave formations are made. We just light bridges. (laughs) (laughs) We just don't know. But luckily, she's there to let us know and guide us. And sadly, well, not so sadly. She eventually turns on us after going rampant and gathering. And Derek, this is really where the Halo series is going to make a turn. Gathering this force against us of these guardians and turning AI and humans alike against their own kind, mm. only to be written off in a quick cutscene, uh, a dialogue cutscene, I should say, in Halo Infinite. But she could have <laughs> done a lot, Derek. She could have. Yeah, um, very informational piece. Uh, yeah, I gotta be honest though, like 
I don't know that we have a great a great format, best or worst, whatever, but I'm just going to tell you right now, she's on my list of worst companions. Oof. And for some of the reasons that you listed and that she turns against you, I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly how you can say, oh, this is one of the best companions when she's actively trying to kill you. Sure, but sure, sure, sure. That makes even sense. Even before all of that happens, I just found her mostly irritating. Um, I, I, guess, I guess I'll wrap this one up for her. By stating out of, and this is how most of my companions are rated, they're kind of story arcs. Even though hers turns to a negative, and we eventually see her do go rampant. It's a thing we talked about since kind of day one with her, was you know, that seven-year life cycle. Yeah. It is one that I think they really did well, depending on what your outtake is, of actually having a story arc with a companion that's not just like, a, oh, they got shot and died. It's more yeah. of this kind of sad carmine, almost several carmines, and uh, it's almost <laughs> like this 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 very sad thing of it's kind of like watching a loved one kind of like pass away over time and having to be there. That that's kind of how I picture it, and I think that's how they wanted to picture it. I don't know if they did or not, but that's kind of where I would take that. Where like this companion that's there for you, built for you by Doctor Halsey, basically is Doctor Halsey until. She starts to lose it. So that's kind of why I have her in the top section for that. I just remember in that first trilogy of games, that character, especially in Halo 1, just being particularly all over the place in terms of creepiness and excitement. And maybe not 100% the Cortana's character's fault because they changed, obviously, some of the things about that game, like the naturally occurring rock formation. Obviously, a huge joke was supposed to be something else. But it's those little inconsistencies with her that kind of made her annoying as a companion for me. Nope. Totally valid. Well, let's go to you. Who do you have top on your list right now? Top of the list, best companion in any game that I've ever Mm -hmm. played is Mm -hmm. uh, Atreus in the new God of War games. Okay, okay. So the boy. Yeah, the boy. Boy. Um... (laughs) He is indestructible and super powerful. <laughs> you can upgrade his weaponry. You can upgrade his armor to have different benefits as well. And when you start getting his powers, I played through that 2018 one a couple of times now. Mm-hmm. The first time you play through it, I, I didn't realize how strong he was going to end up being until the late game when I had unlocked most of his abilities. And he can just totally stop all of the enemies from like ganging up on you. He is great for crowd control. One of the most useful companions that I've ever had in any video game, because he's not totally solo. You can tell him to do things for you and focus in on people. And he listens to you and reacts very quickly. And then on top of that, just being powerful because he is a demigod as well. Sure. Is like, uh, honestly, like I was, I had such a hard time. There are certain fights in that game where you don't get to use him, and it made those fights so much harder because I started using him as such a crutch because of how mm. powerful they made that companion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't no, played the like... new one yet. I haven't played Ragnarok, so I don't know how he is in that one. But I didn't play it either, so I appreciate the information on it because obviously I'd only seen it from either the memes or the cutscenes that were shown or some trailer stuff, so I didn't know too much of what involved him, but that's... That's really cool. And again, I think that goes on to the idea of a story, or excuse me, I should say character having a story arc. 
even though it's unlocking yes. their skills, they're growing and they're growing being with Kratos and, and doing these things along with him and coming into their own, coming from just boy to the boy. Right. And yeah, exactly. Beyond all of the, the powers and stuff and the usefulness, the story arc for Atreus is amazing. And the mm-hmm. interaction with him and Kratos throughout the game is what makes that game compelling to me. So the most useful in terms of action, the most useful in terms of driving the narrative, best companion for me by far. Okay. On that same note of driving the story active, communicative, being one in the center spotlight for you, I'm going to have to go with the weighted companion cube from Portal 2. Mm. The cube is love. The cube is life, Derek. And this is what truly gets <laughs> you through that game, just, just being loved and understanding. And it's a silly one, I know, but it's, it's one of those ones where I, I really enjoy this type of humor. Uh, Portal had such a good way of doing this very dry, dark humor throughout it. Portal 1 and yeah. Portal 2. And this for me was just such a fun moment for them to add in that basically there's no one else here for you. This is who you get as like, you get the companion cube. It's love. Look. Yay. And I, I love that aspect of it. But they help you solve puzzles. They are there for you when you are sad. <laughs> and they are not a lie. They were there. So it's a silly one. I do like it. It's a, it's a, a fun thing. Portal in and of itself, I kind of chose it because of that game. Um, but it's definitely, definitely top on the list for being, you know, that story-driven that, character moment. <laughs> yeah. That era of games is just so fun sometimes. There's so mm-hmm. many, like very dry comedic things that you just didn't really expect in these is basically like the eighties of action movies, but for video yep. games, basically yep. what was happening. So then you get something like that and it's such a nice welcome surprise. Um, I'm going to throw it back a little bit further going back to okay. the N64 days, best companions, uh, Cooper, the Koopa from paper Mario. Ooh, okay, yes. Far one of the best companions that you can get. First of all, definitely the coolest looking design for the partners in Paper Mario, and there's so many to choose from in that Mm -hmm. game. But again, functionality. This guy had the most powerful sidekick attacks. He could attack and knock down like five enemies in a row, just made the entire game so much easier. You could use him to like get items throughout the open world. As soon as I, I've played through that game a bunch of times. As soon as I can get him, he basically stays in that slot for the rest of the game. Listen, I, I'm in full support of that. Paper Mario is one of my favorite games. Sadly, for me, in my opinion, each iteration after that slowly decreased how much yeah. i liked that series like they they took yeah. what was such a cool motley group of characters and was like what if we eliminate the charm of this game and give you like <laughs> ghost spirits and stars and other bs and they finally brought characters back but when it's like i don't want stars on my team i wanted like the different characters in mario yeah and so paper mario n64 is on NSO, if you have mm-hmm. the premium, definitely worth checking out if you haven't played that one. I, of course, have it on cartridge. Got to have that mm-hmm. oh, old yeah. school vibe. But yeah, man, that game's great. That first Paper Mario was magic. Oh, it absolutely was. Uh, well, I don't have anyone as cool as that right coming up. 
but I do have someone that I think is quintessential. It's someone, love him or hate him, you probably swapped him out pretty early, but it's quintessential when you're thinking of companions. And I'm talking about Lydia from The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Mm. So Honor once, to you, my thing. Exactly. So once you help out Whiterun, um, Lydia is entrusted to you uh, as a companion, as a sidekick, and it's the first, I guess if you're going progressively, it's the first character you typically will interact with who's a sidekick for you. Um, they will fight with you. They will die with you. And they, most importantly, are pack mules and can carry all the extra banded armor that you've killed. And you take off. And you can't carry it yourself. You don't want to be sluggish. So you slap it That's on right. them and make them carry the heavy stuff. That's right. So, you know, Lydia's up there for it. I definitely swapped her out very early. But I think, like, in terms of poster child, when you think of, like, a companion that's always there for you following you this is who usually comes to mind for me yeah she's definitely the easiest one to get i think of her as more of a leech because i don't oh. really use the followers in skyrim sure. when i play she's kind of that thing that i forget about that lives in my house that then <laughs> she scares the, the hell out of me in. she's just yeah you go into your bedroom and then turn the corner and she's just sitting there watching you put stuff into your chest and take stuff yeah. out it's like huh Okay. Hey, Lydia. Honor to you, my Thane. Okay. <laughs> Good talk. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? She's always there for cannon fodder. Yeah. Yeah, no, if you're a companion user, I'm sure very useful. And I know a lot of people make Lydia their spouse. Probably because mm -hmm. it's easy. She's already there in your house. I don't you know. know that's, Derek, isn't that what we all do? <laughs> already there. I was Why more not? of a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there. Um, <laughs> ne next on my, my best list is Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow. This so not, not is... Pikachu from Hello Pikachu, to be specific. Pikachu no. Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow. Okay. Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow, because Pikachu from like, Hey You Pikachu, is that what you're, mm -hmm. you're talking about? Hey, That's Pikachu. what I meant. Not, yeah. Hello, Pikachu is my version of it because I just scream into the <laughs> microphone because it was one of the worst games ever. But continue. Okay, yeah. So, hey, you, Pikachu, that Pikachu would be in my worst companions <laughs> list for sure because that yeah. little that little uh, guy, I'm going to say guy, I want to say other words, <laughs> never wanted that to listen. Guy. Ever. Ever. <laughs> just, it was not understanding me at all. I'm sure in the microphone realm, like, I was like, <laughs> it's probably gonna break people's ears I'll, I'll have to see how that goes in editing but yeah <laughs> just trying to get that thing to do anything no pikachu in pokemon yellow is great it's there from the very beginning it gives you that more this was the first time that i think it made pokemon feel like an actual buddy because it's got the little Pikachu that yells at you through mm -hmm. the speakers of the screen. It actually says the name. You can gauge its reactions, if it's happy, yep. if it's sad, if it's asleep. It's not in the Pokeball. It follows you around. All that cool stuff that you wanted in a Pokemon game, I think as a kid, it did. And now you've seen that inspiration in the other video games, where uh, like in Scarlet, you can have the Pokemon follow you around. Some of the mm -hmm. other newer ones as well. Things like that. It was the first and just maybe a little bit of a nostalgia pick for me. Yeah. Next up I have is not a nostalgia pick because it's not the first of its kind, 
but it's the love of its kind for us. And I am talking about the trusty steed Roach himself, or Ooh. herself, depending on which Roach we be talking about. Uh, but of course, I'm talking about Roach from the Witcher series. Specifically for me, it's Roach in The Witcher 3, A Wild Hunt. Um, Roach is always there for you. One, Wild Hunt has fantastic horse mechanics. So it yes. makes it actually like pleasurable to ride a horse around and not like Skyrimming up a mountain. Um, or like uh, Assassin's Creed 1. <laughs> yes. They figured out horse mechanics by this point, and it's great. So, But Roach is there. Roach is there for you. Trustworthy. Trust everything you do, even if you're even if you're kind of a bad guy. Roach does not care. Roach, don't judge. Roach, don't judge. I think that's the biggest important thing that we get out of that. But again, the Witcher series is fantastic, and Roach is probably the better horses out of out there. Like definitely, you've Red Dead too, and you get some horses in there. I don't know their names, but I do know Roaches. Yeah. Uh, Roach is interesting in that game because I feel like that world gets so chaotic sometimes with some of the things that you have to fight. Mm -hmm. And just coming back and constantly being like this nomadic warrior type. And then the only home you really have is like getting to Roach. That's the only yep. familiarity for sure. Yeah. And, and listen, you whistle, Roach is coming. That's right. Interestingly enough, I put just your horse from Red Dead Redemption 2. Whatever it was. Whatever yeah. horse you decided to go with, it's if it's the one that you find at the very beginning of the game from some O'Driscolls and you decide to keep that one throughout the game, whatever. If you decided mm -hmm. to switch horses as frequently as you could, you always build up some kind of relationship with them. They're very useful as well. And mm -hmm. I like them as a companion because their deaths are impactful. Yes, um, yes. And spoiler, you know, for anyone that hasn't finished that game, turn off this podcast now, but you get to the end of that game. And if you have a good enough relationship with your horse, you get a little special cutscene with that horse. Oh, and cool. it just makes it a little meaningful little uh, little moment between you and you and the horse um, that I haven't seen in a video game before. Like, honestly made me emotional a little bit. And I think that's it. I think... I think we can kind of wrap Roach, the horse. I think any like big animal companion, I think kind of almost fills that void we're talking about there, where it's just like really building that emotional attachment to it, um, whether it's the dog or a horse or a cat or whatever you've got. Yeah. Having that with you, I think, is, is kind of that emotional build to it. If they make you feel like it's a real pet at all. I think there's, yeah. there's a connection there. Because like you have to feed the horse, you have to brush the horse and red dead. Mm -hmm. You could talk to it and stuff. It's always there. Even though you're super mean to other people, you could be the worst. You're still nice to the horse. Mm-hmm. So therefore, yeah. Now, I've realized as I, as I wrap up my top list, besides Cortana, I think I've basically picked people who don't talk. <laughs> I think my favorite <laughs> companions are ones who don't say anything. The silent companions. The silent companions, because my last one is BT uh, from Titanfall 2. So in the campaign mode, um, you are basically just a soldier uh, that's going through, that is becoming a pilot, and you, you bond with BT after his pilot dies. And BT, and credit to Respawn and the whole team that gave emotion and made you as a player care about BT 
without really conversing and most of it being hand gestures or, you know, the, the most famous one became kind of a mean meme gif where BT kind of like gauges how far he's going to throw you and like gives you the thumbs up when he's ready to go and then launches you across. It's those little things that, you know, I think interest good our media. That's kind of our funny robot stuff. But you really care about BT if he's getting hurt, whether you're piloting BT or, you know, letting BT go on autopilot. You know, it, it's one of those characters that was someone I didn't think I would care about in this Titanfall game. Where like in Titanfall 1, there was really none of that emotion or connection. You just had a Titanfall or a Titan, I should say. And mm. you just picked the best one. And with this in the campaign, it was such a smart way to do it. And also probably one of the best campaigns, especially for an FPS that I've ever played. So if you haven't played it, you should, you can usually get Titanfall either on PC or on Xbox for like five bucks. Um, so definitely pick it up Titanfall two, but as a companion, like BT is definitely up there and wraps up my list in the silent protagonists friends. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. A lot of quiet. That's good. Um, uh, my last one is also a robot. It is BD one from Jedi Fallen Order, and mm-hmm. it's the little droid companion that you meet pretty early on in the game. That sort of is helping you, Cal Kestis, uh, sort of find their way toward this particular item that the Jedi need to start to rebuild. And he is a droid of a former Jedi that has since passed away. And now you are like its new master. And it's one of those, it's sort of like an iron giant situation. This isn't like a, a, a giant thing by any means. Obviously it rides on your back, but it's like this gentle, almost childlike robot that follows you around. I feel like Star Wars as a whole does a really great job with these little droid companions. Like there's um, BB-8 in the mm-hmm. newer Star Wars films. There was R2-D2, yeah, obviously in the prequels and the original trilogy. And then this one, you've got BD-1, who sort of, he's almost like Togepi in, in the Pokemon mm. series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's just like this little kid that you kind of care about. He gets involved and he gets real brave and you worry about him and he's just, you know, adorable little buddy. Can't feel negative about an adorable little buddy. Can't do. And and here's what I will say. I, I think no matter what your opinion is about the prequels, the sequels, the super sequels, the currents, I guess you want to call them, um, you can't fault their droid design. The droids for me whether it's the little trash can guy who drives around or it's like a main character droid, like that one murder droid that's in there, it's, they're so good. They're, they're done so well. No matter the quality of the rest of the film, the droids are always fantastic. Yep. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. I think I've discovered my pattern. I wrote this list without even thinking of this. Mm-hmm. My top ones. Pretty quiet. Cortana, not so much, but Cortana was my childhood of playing through Halo, so I think that's why it's stuck. She almost, yeah. I think, like you said, made it into the worst because of some of that. My worst, I have discovered, will not shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, you hate when people talk to you. I hate when people talk to me. Just let me do my thing and help me. My first... Uh, how very Midwestern, not <laughs> Midwestern of you. Listen... My first is, uh, I think for a lot of us olders, 
is a childhood pet peeve, and that would be Navi from specifically Ocarina of Time. Yes. Just hitting you with that, hey, listen, constantly, and like, Navi, I'm in a fight right now. I know. Not only the, hey, listen, but the uselessness of the information. Yes. Every time. It was never helpful. It was, I'm running around, I'm trying to save some rupees and stuff. I need to get this item so that I can go to the next place. And she's mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, we're supposed to go to this next place. It's like, dude, I know. <laughs> I get it. Or you'd be in the middle of fighting someone. Yep. And you fought them a million times. And she'll be like, hey, listen, you have to shoot the Deku seed back. Yep. At the thing using your shield. Maybe that'll work. And it's like, <laughs> if you hit that button that's flashing at you yeah. while you're in the middle of combat, if you hit it, it stops, it pauses everything, it zooms in just to tell you that, just to make her go away. That's mm-hmm. terrible design. It was awful. She was it the was, worst. It, it was definitely the worst. So, I mean, for me, that was kind of the first real companion where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't, I don't need you. Please, like, you woke me up. Thank you, I suppose. but. I don't need anything else from you. And she has such a cutting voice. Like, it yeah. just it goes right in there. It does. Just cuts you deep. Um, it, yeah, I have Navi as well, deep. but I also have, like, Fee. Fee from Skyward mm. Sword fits mm-hmm. that, same, that same type of companion that sort of has useless information. I think yep. Fee is maybe a little more compelling than Navi. Navi will hold a special nostalgic place for some people. Because they love Ocarina of Time. Sure. And that's sort of why I think they hate her. They also like kind of love her because it's a nostalgic feeling. Fee eventually becomes the Master Sword. And I think that that's a really cool storyline. But along the way, it's like, oh, man, just as bad as Navi, the constant interruptions, Mm -hmm. the weird robotic voice that they gave her. Just not good. It's not. Now, next up on my list is a character I personally love. I think is a great character design. I think when they first came out, it hit the humor points. I think it graded in some future ones and was redeemed in the last one. Um, but that would be Borderlands Claptrap. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Claptrap as a character design, I think silly and fun and dumb. And the quest lines are usually given to you to be references to other games or pop culture and things like that. That I don't fault. As a companion, though, he is the worst. One, he puts you down and tries to take credit for your advances that you've done. That's on you. You're the one doing these things. He can get grating and annoying. He almost gets you killed several times. He gets killed almost several times. You got to save him. Very damsel in distress robot. And there's so many other better robots out there that I got to put Claptrap on the worst. I think that's a good pick. Um, moving on in my worst list is Slippy Toad from Star Fox. Mm-hmm. And specifically where my dislike for him uh, festered was in Star Fox 64, where you're on the rails doing the shooting. Something about Slippy, he loves to just go right in front of you when you're shooting laser beams. So you're shooting laser beams, he flies in front of you, you shoot him five or six times in a row. He's like, hey, man, what's the deal? What's the deal? (laughs) What's your deal? 
I'm trying to kill the enemy here. And you're just like, oh, hey, by the way, it's like walking into the gun range down range. That is what he did constantly. <laughs> and it's, I, I don't understand. And on top of that, he's constantly getting chased. He can't help himself at all. And his mm-hmm. functionality is so key to these boss battles where he is the one that if he's not part of your team, you cannot see how much health the final boss has at the end of each level. If he gets inevitably killed, uh, he has to sit out the rest of that level plus the one after until he can return. And because he's in danger just about every level, you're constantly at risk of that. And on top of that, you might end up killing him yourself because of how frequently he flies in front of you. Terrible, terrible teammate. Poor Slippy, but... All right. You know, Slippy can be bad, but Derek, all I got to ask you is, cousin, do you want to go bowling? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go bowling, cousin. And of course, I am talking about Roman Bellic from GTA 4. Oh. Uh, it is Nico's cousin. He's the one who gets you in the States. He's the one who's getting you started out. And just becomes more and more and more insufferable as the game goes on just with and again it's a beautiful character design they did so well with him to be such a garbage person that right. i just despised every bit about him and the constant calls of like cousin let's go bowling cousin let's go out cut no i'm it's i'm on the- a mission right now dude i'm doing a thing <laughs> It's the fact that you also have to maintain a relationship with all yep. these people yep. in that game. And so it's like at some point you do have to go out with them. And they're mm-hmm. so slow and it's boring to go like virtual bowling. I mean, this yes. is prime like Wii Sports bowling era. So I've played mm-hmm. good virtual bowling and it's not Grand Theft Auto 4 bowling. It is, it is not. It definitely is not. So, you know, you do it the first few times because it's a tutorial quest to kind of go do these extra games and whatnot. And you play and you're like, yeah, that's fine. And then on the second or third time of like going on a date and doing it or with Roman and you're just like, I just want to fast forward through this. Like, I don't want to have to play this. Yeah, the least interesting part about the Grand Theft Auto 4 games was doing any kind of activity mm-hmm. with other people. But there was an achievement for having some kind of relationship with all the people that you meet. Yep. Um, so, so there was that to, motivation. Had yeah, <laughs> had, had to, to do, do it. it. But unfortunately, Roman was one of them. Next on my worst list is any sports video game rival ever. Mm, they okay. are always the most one-dimensional terrible characters and i'm thinking back to like 2k 16 the spike lee joint you've got the bad (laughs) friend the bad influence he's been with you since high school he's been your buddy but now you're in the nba okay he's bringing you down you gotta move on from him he's taking advantage of you there are always these tropes explored in the sports video game series and i just wish they'd do away with them Nobody wants to play any sports video games and have any kind of drama in their outside life, some fake thing going on. I'm not trying to play 
varsity blues. I'm not trying to play Coach Carter. I'm not trying to play any of those games, hardball, even sandlot. I don't care about the friendships outside of the sport. I just want to play the sport and and have a simulation of a sports career in those games. I don't know why they keep shoehorning these little rival friends in there because that's the other trope that they'll do. It'll be a rival that ends up being your best friend. Like There was a Madden a few years ago where you're in high school and you're competing with this kid who he's the star quarterback, but you're also a quarterback, but he has a heart condition (laughs) and he starts to like faint at halftime and he's playing terribly. And so the coach benches him and he's like, wow, I can't believe you tattled on me, even if you didn't. Then he's like, you know what? I quit the team if you're not going to start me. Then he comes back and he's like, you know what? I'll be a receiver for you. I'm sorry I was so mean. Oh, but guess what? We're going to college. We're going to the same college. I never promised to never compete against you again. So then you compete against him in college too. And then you both get into the NFL. It's just crazy. There's no reason for that kind of contrived rivalry. Just let me play a simulation. That's my sports rant number four. Sports rant number four. Um, Yeah, I can agree with that. And like, but I mean, again, it's trying to create any drama and any story to give you any feeling towards like why you should care about this random story they wrote for it. So, yes, but that is grading. Another person's grading is now. For the most part, the Resident Evil series, very good. I really enjoy a lot of it. I enjoy watching a lot of it, too. But in Resident Evil 4, you have Ashley Graham. And really, it comes down to having to defend anybody, I should say. And basically just being a worthless character who is vulnerable (laughs) because Leon has to come to her rescue all the time. And so having like a character like that, that you want to, whether you like their personality or not, you want to like, but like having to always defend them and losing missions if they die and trying to like tell them to go here and do this type of stuff. And a lot of horror games started doing that around this era and a lot of like um, over the shoulder style games as well. And it just became infuriating to have to deal with that. And, and like also just having like a one note character, basically you're a damsel in distress all the time. It doesn't make playing with this character fun. It just makes it frustrating. Yeah. That's slippy toad. Mm-hmm. He is a this damsel is, in distress. This is, this is slippy and resident evil. That's exactly what they <laughs> said. That was a good, that was a good interview quote verbatim right there. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, so. I'm going to wrap up my fifth now with Mary Jane Watson from the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man. Okay. Um, This one isn't necessarily a true companion. You actually play a few levels as Mary Jane where uh, Spider-Man is actually there with you and you're sort of directing Spider-Man on taking certain people out for you and things like mm-hmm. that to kind of help you in the mission. But all of her missions are super slow. 
They are very different, obviously, from the core gameplay of Spider-Man. I think they offer a little bit of a unique perspective into the world of Mary Jane, but they slow down the game so, so much. And I know that this is a common complaint for her. It's not so much playing as her that people disliked. It's just the way that they went about it, where she's sort of like this stealth sleuth reporter person all of a sudden when you're playing a mostly action oriented um, button smashing or action oriented web swinging Mm -hmm. superhero game it's just a very very different thing so didn't enjoy her and on top of that the scenes with peter she's constantly complaining like oh you know peter it's okay let me save you it's like well mary jane like Spider-Man has crazy superpowers. <laughs> Do you have superpowers? You don't. So you don't. I understand you don't want to feel like you need rescued all the time, but also you aren't Spider-Man. Yeah. Them's just I, the I, facts. Them's the facts right there, which I can agree with. And, and so she can be pressing and frustrating at that point, but I have, and I think this tops the list. This is the cream of the crop of the worst. It's not just one. It's not just two. It's not three or four or five. It's every single escort quest. (laughs) Anytime you have to take someone from point A to point B, whether it's defending them, talking to them, carrying them, pushing them, shipping them, running them, driving them, whatever it is, it makes at 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 a maximum. It makes the gameplay neutral. At Unless its worst, they are invincible. Even then, it's a time waster. That's, that's where the maximum <laughs> comes in. It's, they're invincible, sure. It's still a time waster. It's yeah. still like, oh no, they're surrounded by this thing. You have to help them with this. Even if it's a funny quest. We're like, gotta get the paparazzi off of them. Mm. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do any of that. It's it just true. takes away like gameplay elements that I'm like, this is... I just, no one is like, oh, bring on the escort quests. This is the top tier gameplay I've wanted. No, it's like, oh my God, I gotta, okay, can we get this done to get to the rest of the game? Kind of like the Mary Jane stuff where it disrupts the gameplay. Like, can I just get the self stuff done to go on? Yeah. This was just like, can I get this done, period, and do no more of this forever and just be done? So that's why in my top. I'm saying the top position of the worst, the worst of the worst is literally anyone that's an escort person that you have to move around. Literally the worst. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think that's a lot of what made those GTA 4 missions, those activities bad, because they're basically yep. escort missions as well. And, and why, why did it take to the 2020s to be like, oh, did you know on an escort mission they can match your speed? I don't even want to do them now, but at least a lot of these people can keep up with my speed. Whereas like in other ones, it's like, mm, they are on permanent walk mode. You can barely hit permanent walk mode with your stick, like going at a 0.1% increase movement. Now you're just running. Yes. 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 This, is, this is the biggest thing. Uh, so like when you play Skyrim and it's like, oh, hey, follow me to this place, even from the very beginning, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you get to Riverwood. And it's like, hey, let's go over here where it's more private. And I understand that it might look kind of silly to have that character sort of jog over somewhere. Just make them walk fast. 
Just make them walk fast. <laughs> Give them the same animation, have it look a little goofy, but don't make me walk for five minutes just to have mm. this character talk to me. It's the same thing, College of Winterhold, where they're giving you the tour. And it's uh, like she doesn't yeah. cut directly toward the door. She goes up and around. She's got to go real <laughs> slow, make sure she walks on all the pathways. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, dude, I am, a different I am now. literally shooting magic out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't need the realism of the pathway. But you might, Derek. You just might. So anyway, before we go into complaining old man territory, because we're going to get there if I keep going about these quests and stuff. It's true. But this has been a look into what we picture from our experiences as some of the best companions. And again, if you shut up, you're on my good list. (laughs) If you talk, (laughs) get out of here. But this has been a look at ours. I would really like to know, like, what do you guys see as the best and worst companions. I mean, I, I think we only scratched the surface because there's some I didn't even add on there, some honorable mentions. Like, I know Derek and I had discussed Yoshi and a lot of other people that were just kind of like these, these tertiary characters. What do you guys think? Let us know on the socials. Absolutely. Let us know on the socials. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram. Join our Discord, obviously, if you haven't. You're way late on the game if you haven't. Um, also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, there'll be a section below where you can type in our Q&A and list some of the stuff there. If you want us to check those out as well, we would love to hear from you. And Derek, like the best of them, I'm going to wrap this episode up and shut up and go about my day helping people. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Honor to you, my thing. <laughs> 